0: Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. Waldo Shankman, the latest in a long line of Shankman's, heir to all of it, the rage, the fear… The kind-heartedness, the confusion, the loneliness, the instinct for survival that stretches back from the hospital in Avalon to a house in New Jersey to a shuttle in a country that no longer exists. This, too, he will carry. He will move through his life, as we all do, without knowing what has preceded him or what lies ahead. Danny Shapiro, Signal Fires. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and this week we're hosting another new release rundown with retail floor manager Olivia Schaefer. Another session of From the Front Porch Book Club is getting ready to meet in November. Earlier this year, we added new levels of support over on Patreon. You've heard me talk about them a lot, but for just $20 a month, you can become a book club companion. This Patreon level includes all the benefits of our $5 tier. That's monthly Q&As, Conquer a Classic episodes, plus access to our From the Front Porch book club. In August, we discussed CJ Hauser's The Crane Wife. In September, Olivia and Aaron discussed Acts of Violet. And in November, we'll be discussing my October shelf subscription selection, which I'm thrilled to talk about. All of our book selections for our From the Front Porch Book Club are selections by our shelf subscription program, and they can be found in our online store. To become a twenty dollar a month Patreon supporter, just go to www.fromthefrontporchpodcast.com and click support. You can also go to patreon.com forward slash From the Front Porch. Our next meeting is Wednesday, November second, and we would love to have you. Don't forget, as we chat about these new release titles, if you purchase or pre order any of the books we talk about today, you can enter New Release Please. That's the code New Release Please at checkout to get 10% off your order. Just go to BookshelfThomasville.com and scroll down our homepage to see this week's titles or click podcast picks and New Release Rundown. Hi, Olivia. Hey. How are you feeling about October books? Can you believe we're talking about October books?
1: No, it's a little wild, but I actually feel really great about October books. There's a lot of good stuff coming out.
0: I had a hard time narrowing it down a bit, to be honest. There are lots of books coming out, especially, man, it's that first week in October.
1: Yeah, I have a lot of releases on that week. There's so
0: many releases. So anyway, I have, mm, I think I have nine books. How many do you have?
1: I want to say eight.
0: okay. I'll kick us off. Um, I want to talk about this book that I have not read. Aaron is reading it right now, is my understanding. I have downloaded the audiobook. I'm very excited about this. It's called Hester by Lori Liko Albanese. It came out this past Tuesday. And look, my senior year of high school, I went through a real Nathaniel Hawthorne phase. We read The Scarlet Letter in school. I really loved that book. I don't know. I don't know what it was, I don't know if it's because I went to a Christian school, but I felt like anything that pushed the envelope ever so slightly, like I was here for. I wanted wanted to have book club discussions. I wanted to talk about it with my teacher. So I really was obsessed with the transcendentalist movement. sounds so nerdy. I was really obsessed with the transcendentalist movement and with Nathaniel Hawthorne and with The Scarlet Letter. So this book is historical fiction based on a real relationship that, that Nathaniel Hawthorne had with a woman that inspired the writing of The Scarlet Letter. So Nathaniel Hawthorne was living in the, I believe, in the Northeast. A woman named Isabel Gamble had moved to the Northeast from England. She had come over and she was waiting for her husband, is my understanding from kind of what I've read. And Nathaniel Hawthorne and Isabel kind of developed this friendship. I am always here for a platonic male-female friendship. I feel like those are rare. They're rarely talked about in real life. They're rarely talked about in literature. And so I don't know. I'm anxious to see kind of what this is about, to see how historically accurate it is. It looks like the author did some research. Of course, this is historical fiction, but I'm very curious about it. And I think it would kind of make me feel a little bit nostalgic for my teenage self while also being really informative and interesting. So this is called Hester by Lori Lico Albany's. It came out this week. It's got a gorgeous cover, like a really beautiful, striking fall cover, kind of like the hardback c- cover of the Essex Serpent is kind of the vibes I'm getting. Anyway, highly, highly anticipated by me.
1: Okay. I'm starting off with what I think is a great October spooky read. Okay. And this is Malice House by Megan Shepherd out this week on October fourth. Did I get that date right? You did. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you did good job. Thank you. First time ever <laughs> um, after two years of this. <laughs> uh, it's great. This is an adult thriller. Um I think for fans of like Riley Sager's Home Before Dark mm-hmm. I loved Riley Sager's Home Before Dark. I read it at the wrong time. So I actually loved this one so much more. Okay. I'm so sorry, Riley. I just read it at the wrong time. I feel so fault, bad Riley? about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is about the daughter of this famous like literary writer and after her father, the writer passes away, she goes to move back to his house, kind of take care of his belongings and and get away from some sort of relationship issue that she was having previously. Mm-hmm. So while she's there, she finds this like manuscript of her father. Um, and in the last like year or two of his life, he started going through dementia. And so this is his writings from his this his dementia stage of life. okay. And she is an artist who always has drawn this, like, creepy, um horror-type art. And so she was like, this is perfect. Like, I will add drawings to this already creepy story that he wrote. Okay. And okay. she, like, tries to sell it. And there are three people who, like, are in this book club with him. And immediately they're just like, absolutely not. Um, you probably mm. shouldn't be an artist. And she's uh, so obviously That's hurt famous. by this. Yeah. Yes. But then weird things start to happen and Mm -hmm. this neighbor shows up who she thinks is really nice at first. This girl who works in the bookstore that like is like named after her father shows up and is like, hey, let's go through his things and start to sell some stuff. Mm -hmm. It does have this supernatural element to it that I really, really enjoyed because it was done in... In a very realistic way Um, Mm -hmm. and a very creepy way, which I really, really like. Mm. But this is, I think, the start of a series. It's apparently called like the Malice Compendium. So I'm thinking a trilogy, but it doesn't say and it doesn't necessarily leave it on a cliffhanger. But you're just like, there's more to this story.
0: Yeah, you could get more.
1: Yeah. Uh, The characters were so good. I loved it so much.
0: Has Keela read this yet? Because it sounds like a Keela book, too.
1: No, but I immediately finished the arc and gave it right to her. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds right up her alley for her. Sure. Oh, absolutely.
0: Okay, my next one also released this week. It's called The Hero of This Book by Elizabeth McCracken. I am annoyed I haven't read this because my mom took my ARC and I have not seen it since. And so I have a bone to pick with Susie. But I saw this because... Kate from Bookmarks, she read this and loved it. She gave it kind of rave review in her Instagram stories. And I like Elizabeth Kraken, but I feel like I don't always... This is a me problem, not an Elizabeth McCracken problem. I feel like I am not always fully on board with what she's doing. But this book sounds like a lot of books I really love. So there's an unnamed narrator, checkbox number one. (laughs) I love an unnamed narrator. (laughs) So there's an unnamed narrator who is really close with her parents. Her mother has died and she goes to London after her mother's death. And this was, my understanding is this was a trip that she and her mom were kind of supposed to take together. And instead she kind of winds up wandering the streets, thinking about her mom, who was this prolific writer um, or very private person. And the daughter is a writer. That's my understanding. So the mom was this very private person, but very interesting person. And the unnamed narrator is a writer. And she's wandering the streets of London, thinking about her mom, thinking about her relationships with her parents. But also trying to figure out, is there a story here? Is there something I can write here? Or will it be doing my mom a disservice to write about her when she was so private? Like, I want the world to know about my mom, but I don't want to break this kind of trust that we had by us not sharing her stories. So I kind of, I look, I like a lot of things about this. I like the fact that it's about a daughter and her parents. Um, that sounds like something that would be very poignant to read. I like that it's about grief. I like that it is about kind of grappling with what stories are we allowed to share and what are we allowed to talk about? And is it good for our grief and our relationship or changed relationship to talk about these things to write about these things or is it better to hold them close I, I think about that stuff a lot and so very curious about the themes of this book um, it's a little book like this is not a big thick book so I kind of like the fact that it's limited to this woman kind of wandering around London kind of thinking about thinking about her relationships and her parents so I'm very curious about this it's got a really cool cover it's Elizabeth McCracken, who has written books like Bolaway, I think was one of the recent ones she's she's written. She's a very prominent author. You've probably heard of her. You've probably read books by her, but this does sound a little bit different. I said that it reminded me of other books I read. It just sounds like a quiet novel. That's what I mean by that. like it sounds like maybe an Elizabeth Strout kind of story where this isn't about plot. this is more just about relationship and about yeah about mothers and daughters and children and their parents and that kind of thing so called the hero of this book. It's by Elizabeth McCracken and it came out this week.
1: That sounds perfectly, Annie. Doesn't
0: it? I, want to yeah. read it. I'm gonna ha- I am going to have to text my mom when we're done with this and be like, Hey, I need that book back.
1: Yeah. Like it sounds like a book that you will read with tears in your eyes.
0: Yes. That Which I will just
1: segue. <laughs> okay. I'm okay. I see where yeah. you're going. Yeah. I read this next book, finished it with tears in my eyes. Um, okay. So Yeah. This is a rover story by Jasmine Morga, out this week on 10-4. This is a middle grade novel, even probably chapter book, I would say, too. Mm-hmm. Um, although there is not Ill- illustrations in it. I think there's like maybe illustrations that start with the chapter, but not throughout. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is about a little Mars rover Space is my sweet spot, <laughs> my soft spot. This is what gets me. But you see the life of this rover. Um, it's fictional, but it is kind of based off of per- the Perseverance rover. Mm-hmm. But it's you see him being built, um, befriending and like getting to know the two scientists who worked closely on him and the second rover that ended up staying on Earth to kind of mimic what's going on with him up on Mars. You see him travel to Mars. You see him on Mars, just like learning new things, being curious about the landscape, trying so hard to like make it worthwhile all the time and energy and money that NASA has put into sending him here and trying to figure out like exactly what they need to bring him back he has like a little helicopter buddy that lives inside of him and they're like best friends and they like help each other out. And then there's like the guardian. That's like the satellite that goes around Mars and like kind of helps describe like landscapes, if he needs to be careful or not. If there's dust storms coming, that's a big issue. (laughs) And then you see him uh, be brave on Mars all by himself with like limited communication back from earth and the people that he knows But all the while, you're getting his point of view, and then you're getting these letters. Um, And they're from the daughter of the scientist who worked on him. Oh, my gosh. And she's writing to him. And it starts Mm -hmm. as a school project. You're just supposed Mm -hmm. to write a letter to someone. And she chooses the rover. Mm -hmm. And then as she gets older, like, you watch her go from, like, grade school all the way up into an adult. Uh And she just always writes these letters to him because she knows how much hard work her mother, like she saw Mm -hmm. how much hard work her mother put in and time, time away from her and spent Mm -hmm. with the Rover. It was so heartwarming and I was so touched by it. (laughs) Did you you read this ARC
0: or did you read the digital copy?
1: I had the digital copy.
0: Dang it! I, I now, think I want to read this. It sounds so good.
1: It was so good, and it just—it makes you appreciate so much all the hard work that the NASA scientists put into yeah. everything they do. Because, like, going to Mars, it's, it's out. Of, it's literally out of the <laughs> world. <laughs> It is intact. Yeah, it's wild, and I love it so much. And I just love that there's now this book that's like dedicated to all of their hard work. But you see it through the eyes of the robot, and it yeah, just, it, like the personification of the robot in this book was just so well done because he starts mm-hmm. to learn these like human words and human emotions. But yeah. you're just like you're just a robot. You don't actually feel those things, but you know right. them because you've seen other people feel them. You're just like, like I don't know, maybe perseverance up there did fuel things.
0: The, I don't know. <laughs> it sounds a little bit like a Disney movie, but like a really well done. Like I, I think underappreciated. I loved the movie Wall-E. I really did. I was very attached it was to Wall-E, robot. Yeah, and so this sounds like a really well done Pixar film. Do you know what I mean? Could represent. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But I. Then it does sound like it's got that mother-daughter element. I love a novel in letters. I I think I would like to read this as well.
1: It's so good. I feel like kids will finish this book and want to watch Wally. Adults Mm -hmm. will finish this book and want to watch The Martian. Because at one point, he also goes in search of curiosity.
0: Oh, interesting. (sighs) It was
1: so good. Okay, that sounds really good. Yeah. Is it going to be in your
0: top 10 of the year?
1: Like, very possibly.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it.
1: I have to start (laughs) narrowing down that list.
0: (laughs) I do, too, because I feel like I've said it kind of offhandedly. Like, this will be in my top 10. And now I'm like, have I, I said that more than 10 times? I feel like I've said that more than 10 <laughs> times. <laughs> um, I don't I, – somebody asked me on Instagram, maybe. They were like, man, a lot of five-star reads. And I thought, have there been? And I was like, yes, I've read some duds this year, or I've started some duds and I've not finished them. But there have been some really good literature that I've – I don't know, that I'm very grateful to have read this year. So – I don't know. I don't know what my top do look like. Um, okay. My next one is another. I know we talked about kind of a Keela pick. This book is a book that Keela referenced at our August reader retreat. It's called Night Ship by Jess Kidd. It came out this week. Jess Kidd has written several novels. Um, one is himself, Things in Jars, and Mr. Flood's Last Resort. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's a typo for me. But I was trying to remember, I know I have read a book by Jess Kidd, and I think it must have been himself. I don't think I read things in jars. So I have read one of Jess Kidd's previous works. This is historical fiction based on real life events, and it goes back and forth between 1629 and 1989. So you've kind of got two timelines happening. In the 1629 Timeline, we have a young girl who is living on a boat that is traveling to the Dutch, I think it's the Dutch West Indies or the Dutch Indies. And she is really imaginative and she is living on this boat and thinks there might be monsters, but turns out maybe there are monsters on the boat rather than outside the boat. And then you also get flash forwards to 1989 where this young boy has just moved in with his grandfather on the coast of Western Australia and he discovers somehow or another like he realizes that they live near the site of a shipwreck. And so you get these two timelines f- with these two kids as the protagonists, which I do love when adult literature I th- I love when a kid protagonist is done well and it sounds like that might be the case here. So you get to go back and forth between 1629 and 1989. Um I'm very curious about this. This is not a part of history I knew anything about. And I think Keila read this and really liked it. I, like I said, I like Jess Kidd. I've read some of her works before. And so I'm very curious about this one. I don't think there's a night ship and even the cover almost sounds like it's a, there's a spooky element. I do not think there is a spooky element. I do think there is some sinister, there are some sinister elements. What's happening on the boat? Um, and maybe the man, young man and his grandfather kind of learned those things too as they learn about this shipwreck. So anyway, don't go into this perhaps looking for a spooky read. This is more historical fiction and then perhaps learning what happens, um, happened to this young girl aboard this boat. So it's called Night Ship by Jess Kidd and it came out this week.
1: This one sounds good. Yeah. I think I wanted to read that one.
0: It does sound good.
1: Now I'm worried I don't have time.
0: Tis the season. I I feel like I'm I'm looking at my books, going, "Okay, what do I want to read before I can't anymore?" Because I am already (laughs) finding myself a little tired, like, like a little bit, like, "Uh oh!" I got home yesterday and could not. I was I intended to finish a book, and instead, I watched Gilmore Girls while I worked on this podcast, (laughs) 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 and and then I finished and was like, "I have no capacity." And I thought, "Uh oh, has it begun?"
1: Yeah. I went to bed at 9 p.m. last night. Yeah. It was wild. But I did finish this next book last night. Another great segue for Olivia. Yay. (laughs) So this was Two Degrees by Alan Gratz, which is also out this week, October 4th. And what a timely read as I watch Hurricane Ivan travel up the Gulf of Mexico into Florida. (laughs) Yes. Um, Alan Gratz is a phenomenal writer. I've. Sure, many people have already read his work or their children has read his work. This one is just as great as everything I've read by him. This one follows three different children experiencing different effects of climate change in their areas. So you have one girl out in California who gets trapped in the middle of a wildfire mm. with her horse. And then you have these two boys who are a hilarious duo. Um, it's Owen McKenzie and George Grier and they call themselves Mac and Cheese. Oh, adorable. So good. Um, but they, Owen is like, uh, he leads tours for like just his area in in it's up in um, Manitoba, Canada. Okay. So like it's extremely rural. Um, mm-hmm. So he'll lead tours. Everyone always wants to see polar bears and he lets them know all about it. And then him and his friend go on this trip and they run into a polar bear. Um <gasps> which apparently I also learned in this book are extremely deadly. Yeah, like they kill you? Yeah, apparently yeah. it's like if they're brown lay down, if it's black fight back, if it's white say good night
0: i didn't know th- okay to be fair i didn't know the white <laughs> one i knew the first two um perhaps i've not learned the white one because yeah i <laughs> the thought of me a floridian seeing seeing <laughs> a polar bear are slim to none i've definitely heard the black brown thing um say good night that is brutal brutal it- <laughs> so that is an intense uh saying for you to learn when you grow up
1: yeah and Honestly, my head, all I could think of was that polar bear and loss that showed up on the island. And I was just like, oh my gosh.
0: And we never, never knew why.
1: <laughs> never, we never knew why. A lot of things on that show never knew why. <laughs> <laughs> they were just there. But anyway, then there's a third child down in Florida in like the Miami, mm. Miami Dade, is it?
0: Miami Correct. Dade. Correct. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. And. Look at you
1: uh like a category 5 hurricane comes through which i mm. also i don't know if this is true or not maybe you can let me know but apparently sure. miami is just like florida is just like waiting for the big one is what
0: i mean yeah they they talk in the <laughs> they talk in the florida legislature all the time about the effects of climate change and what they're going to do because the coastline like even today I mean watching hurricane Ian like if it were to hit Tampa, Tampa is so low-lying, that would be devastating. Like it yeah. would be devastating if it's a strong hurricane no matter what, but there are certain parts of Florida that like I mean it's there will they would there would be no chance because the houses are built too close to the ocean or to the gulf or low to the ground or whatever. Yeah, it's
1: it's true. Okay. Well, yeah.
0: Thanks, Al- so, thanks, Alan
1: Gratz. You know what you're writing in, about. In this book, the big one came. Okay. Um, and all of these kids kind of hit survival mode because of these mm. things. And and you see them running away. In true Alan Grant's fashion, I would say this is 10 and up. Okay. <laughs> um, just because of what they're experiencing and going through. And um, as we adults know, there's a high chance of death just seeing it mm-hmm. in any of these situations. Um, all of the kids make it through. I want to be clear. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> but one does go through a category five hurricane. One gets trapped in the middle of a wildfire and two of them get attacked by a polar bear. So, right, <laughs> right. right. Um, but what was really great is at the end, all three of them wind up in Washington, D.C., and they present their stories at this climate change com- um oh, <laughs> conference conference thank you
0: cool that sounds like a good okay that's good i like that yeah
1: he did a great job i love how he always brings it together in the end and this one was just as like fast paced as all of the mm-hmm. others um so it's a really great book highly recommend for any any child who's read alan gratz and already knows what they're getting into this is mm-hmm. Get them this book.
0: Is this Alan Gratz's like first futuristic novel, rather than because he normally writes about past historical events? This feels yeah, it
1: might be. I'm trying to think because there was World War Two, there was nine eleven, there is another one that I can't remember. Yeah, and then yeah, I mean it's present day. I would say yeah. But not historical fiction. But
0: nothing that has happened yet. Yeah. Stuff that's perhaps on track to maybe happen, but that has not happened yet. Interesting.
1: Yes. Well, I do think, like, the wildfire and the polar bear probably has happened. Yeah. Just knowing the the amount of wildfires that California and Oregon have seen.
0: Let me tell you, I need to remind myself every year. It's, is it around this time? I know it's in the spring when like we have a beautiful day in Thomasville, but the whole, the air smells of smoke. And then I remind myself, no, no, this is so important. They're doing good work here to prevent horrific wildfires. Like prescribed burns are important and they're good. Um, And so it's good to remind myself of that when I'm grouchy because it affects the air quality. (laughs) <laughs> I get a little selfish, and it's a good lesson to,
1: yeah. to not be. Well, and the, he pointed out in the book too that like some wildfires are actually very helpful to the ecosystem. Like yes. the Sequoia National Park, like those trees, kind of rely on wildfires. Their bark yeah. is apparently two feet deep.
0: Oh, fascinating!
1: Crazy, but it like protects them against wildfires, no. and their their leaves and like. Leaf spouting branches are so high up that generally mm-hmm. they don't ever catch on fire, but they benefit from the small fires yeah. below them.
0: Prescribe burns, y'all. Do do your
1: research. Just it's really important. <laughs> I learned a lot in this book. I Florida love that. Is looking out for the big one. Polar bears are deadly, and some wildfires are good, but most are bad. <laughs>
0: It's great. Good takeaways all around. Uh, okay. My next one is one that I'm sure many readers are already aware of, but Aaron did read this and love it. And so I wanted to talk about it. This is Mad Honey by Jodi Picoult and Jennifer Finney Boylan. This came out this week. Jodi Picoult is just an audit. Like a lot of people, I think she's an auto-buy author for them. So we typically do really well with Jodi Picoult at the bookshelf. Um, I like that she writes in, I think, a pretty thoughtful way about current culture and current events. So it turns out, I think Jennifer Finney Boylan tweeted that she wanted to write a book with Jodi Picoult. And Jodi Picoult tweeted back and was like, okay. <laughs> and so this book kind of came to be because of a tweet, and during the pandemic, they kind of wrote this book together. So I feel like people are really familiar with Jodi Bacolt, but they may not be familiar with Jennifer Finney Boylan. So she has written several books. I heard her speak at an American Bookseller conference once, and she was hilarious. She wrote a book, a memoir, I think back in 2003, called She's Not There, A Life in Two Genders. And it was kind of this groundbreaking work about being transgender and a memoir about what that was like, and or what that experience was like for her. And so it was kind of this groundbreaking work. She since has gone on to not only write other books, but she also I think has served as like um, a consultant on TV shows that have trans characters, things like that. So anyway, Jodi Picoult. Jennifer Finney Boylan come together try to this book. The book is about two families, Olivia and her son Asher and Lily and her mom. And so Olivia and her son Asher, I think I think they are living in New Hampshire or have moved back to New Hampshire. Um, the mom has kind of been through something and is having to live kind of back in her hometown and where her parents live. And then she brings her teenage son, Asher, with her. And then Lily and her mom have also moved to the area, and they're kind of trying to start over. And Lily is trying to find her place in school. She and Asher become really, really good friends. They they may even be dating. I'm not quite sure, but they develop a relationship either way. And then, in of course as we are accustomed to with Jodie Picole, I feel like there's always like two families. (laughs) And then in this particular book, Lily winds up dead and Asher stands accused of the murder. And Olivia is fervent that her son is not guilty, but she's trying to figure out what, what happened. So there's a mystery or a suspenseful element to this book. Parts of it sound a little bit like Defending Jacob, which is a book Uh, by William Landay that Jordan and I really loved. It's a TV series, but it's a really great book. It's a really page turning kind of suspense novel. And this sounds a little bit like that, where it's kind of dealing with the criminal justice system, um, which I am always interested in, but it's also dealing with families and family dynamics and mother-son relationships, mother-daughter relationships. And I'm very curious. I'm always fascinated by books that are co-written. Like I can't, I feel like I had the opportunity last year to um, interview a couple of authors who co-wrote a book together because i 'm always like, "How do you do that like does somebody do you have a google doc like what is it? <laughs> How do you have a cohesive novel come out of two voices is always stunning to me, so i'll be curious to see what this one is like, but Erin already read it and really liked it. She highly recommended it. And I think she even said like she has read some Jodi Picoult, but it's not like she's some Jodi Picoult super fan. She just thought this one sounded interesting and she really enjoyed it. So this is Mad Honey by Jodi Picoult and Jennifer Finney Boyland. And it came out this week.
1: My sister and I in high school read almost every single Jodi Picoult we could get our hands on. <laughs> God,
0: because you can fly through them. And yeah. you really do almost just kind of speaking of Alan Gratz, you kind of learn about a lot of current issues. I I will be honest. I do not. I'm sorry. I do not remember the name of this book, but I listened to a Jodi Picoult book as part of like that fuzzy goat yarn book club we did for a while. And I wound up listening to the whole thing. And it was about white supremacy and neo-Nazi culture. And I was flabbergasted. Like, I needed to read a book like that that would kind of open my eyes. And I've since read some nonfiction about that world. But man, I think she does a really good job of doing some research. I think she spends, I don't know, But it feels like she spends a year researching, a year writing, and then she publishes. Like Because just based on how far apart her books are spread, it feels like she really does a lot of work on the front end of kind of doing this research. And you walk away feeling like you've read a really compelling story. Her storytelling is just really good. And then you feel like you know a little bit more about the world we inhabit.
1: Yeah. I have vivid memories of finishing My Sister's Keeper. It was when oh. my sister was in college, and I finished it like probably like midnight or one AM, and I just immediately called her, and she just picks up. She was like, "You finished?" <laughs> like she knew because why else would I call her at that hour? Right. Oh my
0: gosh, that book! Yeah. That book messed Ooh. me up a
1: little bit. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I bet it really did for y'all. Gosh. Yeah. Oh, brutal.
1: Um. In any case, uh not a great segue, but moving forward. Uh, my next one is a picture book called, this is not a story about a kitten by Randall DeSiv. Um, and this is out this week on October 4th. Um, and truly this book is not about a kitten. There is a kitten in it, okay, which I did enjoy, but this is about a community who finds this kitten underneath this car. And it's, It's really about the actions that everyone chose to take to help the kitten. There was Mm -hmm. a person who gave it water. There was the dog that barked to alert people that the kitten was there. There There's the family who then opted to take the kitten in. And it Mm -hmm. really just like this little kitten brought everybody together because everyone made the choice to help. Mm -hmm. It was so well done. The illustrations feel very like classic to me where it's this like long illustration and then you'll have a block of one color where the words are. Um, and it kind of like built on each other. So it's like, this is not a story about a kitten, but it's about so-and-so who did this, so-and-so who did that. And then it adds a line every page. Oh, I love that. I, this book just kind of, it blew me away a little bit because truly I I read the title and I was like, Ooh, love a book about a cat. (laughs) <laughs> right, of course. And then it wasn't, and it had this like such, it's such a great meaning behind it. And I just mm-hmm. think every every library, every school, classroom mm. should have those books. It's just, it's really great.
0: Oh, that does sound good. Next up for me is on my personal highly anticipated list. I did not receive an ARC for this. And so I'm <laughs> waiting. I'm not better about it. I'm waiting alongside everyone else. It's called Our Missing Hearts by Celeste Ng. Came out this week. So Celeste, if you're not familiar, Celeste Ng has written two really great backlist titles. Everything I Never Told You was her debut. Little Fires Everywhere, I think, was a Reese Witherspoon pick. It kind of blew up. I love both of those books. I think they're both excellent. And I am really anxious to read this one. I feel like it's been a while since I've read a Celeste Ng book because I read both of those books kind of as they came out. So I feel like I've been waiting for a while. This book is about 12-year-old Bird And It's not, I say, I wrote in my notes, post-apocalyptic. It's not really post-apocalyptic. We're talking in the near future where um, American culture looks different. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, American culture has taken a turn. And so I think Celestine is kind of imagining what life would look like if America goes in a certain direction. And so I I said post-apocalyptic setting, but that's not real. It's not a post-apocalyptic story. It's just like, this is what life looks like in our country now. Um, and basically for a decade, all of the lives in America have been governed by laws written to preserve American culture. I'm using air quotes. And Bird's mother was a Chinese-American. She was kind of a dissident, Chinese-American dissident. She wrote beautiful and profound, prophetic poetry. And and so as a result, Bird and his dad are kind of ostracized from the community because of their affiliations with their mother. They also are Asian American, and so that has resulted in them being treated certain ways. So Bird kind of is unpacking and learning about his mother's past. So basically, he kind of goes on this Journey, not necessarily a literal journey, but he kind of tries to uncover the history of his mom and why his mom wrote the poetry she did and kind of what implications it might have for now. It sounds really interesting. All of Celeste Ng's books have this underlying tension to them. So everything I never told you, like, you almost want to say they're thrillers but they're not thrillers and they're and when i say suspense i think that makes it sound like they're mysteries and they're not necessarily mysteries they're just suspenseful stories like like <laughs> they're tense there's like this underlying tension of what's going to happen like what is what is the conflict here? And and I that's part of the reason I love her books, because I feel like they kind of defy category a little bit. And so this one sounds like it will be really interesting, especially in light of the last couple of years and what America looks like in a post-pandemic landscape. I'm very curious about this. I'm really anxious to read it. I feel excited that I get to read alongside everybody else. That's the pro. That's the pro side to not receiving the ARC is I will get to read it alongside of the rest of the world. It is called Our Missing Hearts by Celeste Ng. came out this week.
1: That was a good way to spin the bad part of not getting an ARC. <laughs>
0: That's right. Because there is like, like for example, I, this week when we're recording, the end of a, one of your favorite trilogies came out. Did yes. you get an ARC for that? No. <laughs> So you so you're, so, you're gonna, so here's the thing. The pro yeah. is that you get to read alongside everybody else. Now the con is making the time to read this book that's already out. I mean, I think yes. that's the the con Best for a bookseller. Part. Yeah, especially a book like the end of a trilogy or like a Celeste Ing book that may potentially just sell itself. I mean, I think it will be valuable for me to read it um, so that I can talk about it with customers. But and it'll be interesting to see how it compares to her previous two works because sometimes a second or third book is for a totally different audience than for the other book. And so it's it's interesting as a bookseller to kind of read and try to figure out who is this book for? Who can I sell this to? I really am excited to read it kind of in a, I don't know, not in a vacuum, but I'm also like, when am I going to find time to read this book?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the daunting side of it, I think. Yeah, yeah. My next one is a middle grade book. It's called Undercover Latina by Aya De Leon. And this is out next week, so October 11th. And this one is about this a Latina girl whose parents are in this spy organization that focuses on BIPOC issues that other governmental factions maybe look over um, okay. and don't start to pursue. And she is awesome and so she also becomes a spy okay of course <laughs> and her like first assigned well no I think this is well it's her first solo assignment she's done like a little bit of work here and there to help her parents on their missions mm-hmm. but her and her mom who are both white passing go into this small Texas town where there is a boy with an estranged father who they have heard like the hints of a possible, like, white supremacist terrorist attack plot happening.
0: okay. And
1: so her job is to befriend this boy and see if she can kind of uncover what's going on. Okay. So the majority of the book is just her kind of grappling with, like, now she has to pretend to be this whole different culture that she has Mm. never been before in her life while also befriending this boy who truly doesn't know his father and doesn't want to know his father, Mm -hmm. but she like makes friends with this, this boy and his best friend who all play this like card game. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to relate the card game to anything else other than, like, Pokemon. (laughs) Because that's the only card game I know that has, like, characters that you, like, pull out and, like, play.
0: Magic. Those magic cards. Magic the Gathering.
1: I've never heard of that. But maybe that's, like, (laughs) the Sure, sure. But she learns this game to, like, play with them. She, like... You just have this girl who's, like, living her best life, being a spy, fitting in with a new crowd, like, facing fears, um, mm-hmm. making new friends. It was just – it was honestly fun, but then it had this serious underlying note of, like, but hey – this is still an issue. And that's
0: but that's what I kinda like. Like I yeah. feel like especially in Kid Lit, although sometimes I'd like it in adult lit too, where yeah. like the issues are definitely there and being addressed, but the mm-hmm. story is fun or adventurous or interesting, like about her, yeah, being a spy. Like I I'm picturing I loved the show alias. Like I don't know. So I that sounds really great.
1: Yeah, I, I think I read it almost in, in one sitting, just because it was It was so much fun. And the way the author did it was so good. It was genius almost because it was like, Mm. as a kid reading this, I think you would read it and not realize the stuff that you were absorbing. Yeah. You're just having fun with this girl who's being a spy on her first solo mission, which what child doesn't want to be a spy on their first (laughs) solo mission? Like, yes. Yeah. It was, it was so great. Highly recommended. But I would say like probably 10 and up. Okay. Yeah. But really, really great.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. My next one is Dinosaurs by Lydia Millette. It is also out on October 11th. I loved this book. Now it is a. Uh Weird little book, which I love. Weird little books, but if you and I, I'm borrowing that phrase. I think one of our Patreon supporters, Jillian, uses that phrase, "weird little book," and I love it because sometimes that's just the exact way to describe a certain type of <laughs> a certain type of literature. So Lydia Mallet, you may be familiar with. She wrote a children's Bible, which I still have not read, but now I think I would like to go back and read because I loved this one so much. Here's the thing. This book is so difficult to describe. It's called Dinosaurs. It kind of gets its name from from birds as are, they are the last living dinosaurs. <laughs> so, and so the main character, Gil, walks. He moves from New York to Arizona. He like, has this breakup. And he walks from New York to Arizona to start over his life. And once he arrives in Arizona, he buys a house. And the house happens to be next door to like in the back is kind of this wildlife sanctuary, um, which is where he encounters a lot of these birds. And then next door is this glass house where this family moves in, and it's a uh, mom, a dad, and two kids. And Gil is a single guy, and he winds up kind of befriending and developing relationships with his neighbors because their house is glass. And so Gil sees a lot of things. (laughs) And at first, I just thought, oh my gosh, is this going to take a turn? Like, I just wondered is, and I think it's because I read a lot of sinister books. um, And also I live in this life. And so I just thought, I just thought, oh, there's no way this ends well. But let me tell you, no spoilers. This is a lovely book. There's nothing sinister happening here. What is happening is Gil is a little bit of a trust fund kid. He's in his, I believe, 30s to 40s. And he has not had to work a lot uh, for very many things. And he has a lot of money from a trust, from um, growing up a certain way. And he is trying to figure out more or less what it means to be good and what it means to be a good person and he knows he's a person of privilege and what is he supposed to do with it and how is he supposed to function in the world? He's also a human. And so he's dealing with this breakup that he experienced, um, this newfound friendship he has with his neighbors, including he has a really lovely relationship with the neighbor's son who kind of winds up staying home a lot, like after school or whatever. And I just love their friendship and their relationship. And, he also has two best guy friends who he left behind in New York and their relationship is really lovely. I I don't know what it is about me, but I like reading about male friendships. I find that to be a really interesting thing to observe and to, um, to pay attention to. And so anyway, I wound up falling in love with Gil. I just, I don't often say that about a male protagonist, but I really liked Gil a lot and I felt very attached to these people um, because I thought for the most part, these are people just trying really hard and that's the kind of person I want to be around in real life. And it is the kind of person I got to read about. And so I found that to be really enjoyable. Um, I love this whole book. It's unique. I haven't really read anything like it. It's a little bit quirky. It's not got some bombastic climactic moment. It's just kind of a book about these, these people. And I loved it. So it's Dinosaurs by Lydia Millette out next week.
1: I really thought it was going for that, like, creepy peeping Tom sort of yes with a glass house.
0: <laughs> me me too. And then I was so relieved because it was more unusual that it wasn't. Like, yes. I would have read a book about it. Okay, what does that say about me that I would have read about <laughs> <laughs>
1: Don't ever think it. Well,
0: <laughs> I would have read that book and I probably would have been intrigued. But I liked better that it was just this man who – kind of befriended this kid who was trying to make a name for himself in this new town. Like I just wound up thinking I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. And when it never did, I was so relieved because I loved them all. I was like, oh, okay. These are just people <laughs> doing their best. Like I like reading about people who are doing their best.
1: off. Yes. It was charming. I loved it. Um okay my next one is a middle grade graphic novel. Um and I Feel like I don't actually talk about graphic novels a lot on here, but the last time I did, it was by the same author. <laughs> oh, cool so, great job, Clarabel A. Ortega. This is Frizzy out on October eighteenth, and this is about—it's really about this girl and her mother who they go to the salon every single Sunday, and the little girl hates it because her mom has her hair straightened every time, mm. and. She comes to learn, like this little girl, she loves running around. She loves playing. And so her hair just gets so frizzy so quickly. And her mom always gets so upset with her. Mm -hmm. But what she starts to realize is that her mom just doesn't want her to go through the same type of bullying that she faced about her curly hair. Mm -hmm. And so she does this with her daughter as like a mother-daughter bonding moment, but also just as she wants to protect her from like what she went through. But then this little girl spends a weekend with her aunt and her aunt has this like gorgeous curly hair, like owns it. It's all natural. And Mm -hmm. she shows her how to like care for her hair, keep it healthy and like style it the way she wants it to be styled. And her mom eventually like comes over to their side and like sees it like Mm -hmm. curly hair, like embracing your natural hair is important. Mm -hmm. And it's. Yeah, it was just a very touching book. The illustrations were so good because it has this like pink hues throughout the whole thing and I love when a graphic novel takes on like a certain color tone yes. throughout it and this one definitely did. Um it was really great. I think any middle grade chapter book reader would love this book, especially okay. ones with with curly hair and yeah. have to deal with you know, the chaos (laughs) that comes with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. It was awesome. Uh, Okay. My next one is Demon Copperhead. This is by Barbara Kingsolver. It's out on October 18th. I love Barbara Kingsolver, Poisonwood Bible, Unsheltered. Like I really like her work. Um, My dad read this book and loved it. So it is a – I hesitate to say this. It's a retelling of David Copperfield, but you don't have to have read David Copperfield, which I have not, um, to appreciate it. But what she does, what she has done is she set it in the contemporary American South. So it's set in Southern Appalachia. And so she really wanted to showcase that the trials of Charles Dickens, England they did not disappear. We have not solved them. So like the same issues that arose about poverty and homelessness and things like that, those are not issues that were just specific to Charles Dickens and his day. Instead, they are very much a problem in the current, in current America. And in this case, in the case in which she's writing, the, the current American South. I'm fascinated by this, that she, and and I love how she writes anyway. I feel like she does a really good job writing about different parts of the world. Um, She seems to be a woman who really does her research and who um, treats her characters with dignity. And so anyway, this is about a family growing up in Southern Appalachia and about how they how they came into poverty and what systemic issues led them to them living this way and then what can kind of be done about it. Again, I have not read David Copperfield, Charles Dickens is a missing piece of my literary life. Um but I am very curious about this one and I trust Barbara King Solver a lot. Like Unsheltered was a bit of a tome for me and I still really read it and loved it and Demon Copperhead is thick, like this is a big book, but I think you'll fly through it. I really like her writing style a lot. And I I don't know if people knew that this was coming out. Um, And so I wanted to make sure it was on everybody's radar. So this is Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver out on October 18th. You do not have to have read the Charles Dickens of it all before you dive into this one.
1: Okay. My next one is a... I, th- I feel like this is right in between a chapter book and a middle grade novel, but I think either age group could really enjoy this. This is Outside Nowhere by Adam Borda, and it's out October 18th. This book is hilarious. It's heartwarming. It's also just really fun. But this is about a little boy. I wish I could remember his name. Parker? <laughs> no, I don't want to guess. <laughs> this is about a little boy, and it starts off with he got this summer job at the public pool. Um, He does not want to do this summer job. He wants to go to Outer Banks with his best friend while his best friend works at a surf shop and he just sleeps (laughs) in all day. Nice. Me too. So in order to get out of his summer job, he pours like gallons of Kool-Aid into this pool and turns (laughs) it purple.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh.
1: Dyes the entire pool. They have to drain it. They have to like bleach it, scrub it, do all the stuff. And so his father and this woman who's like she's kind of like a caretaker in the community, but like she looks after him. Like she has a she has a little soft spot in her heart for this kid who's just an absolute <laughs> troublemaker. <Yeah. laughs> also he like wears suits because he feels like he wants to look professional wherever he goes, which is just a quirky little I thing love about this. Qu- kid. Yeah,
0: we love a good quirk.
1: Oh yeah. Um, and so in order to get him to take life more seriously. He They send him to this farm in the middle of nowhere, and he starts to see all of these wild things. Like one night, he wakes up in the middle of the night, and there's a goat flying past his window. And then he wakes up one day, and there's a cow stuck on top of the barn. And everyone's kind of like, we don't know how it got there. Oh. But all this farm plants harvest is just turnips. and. Okay. Like, they take deliveries in the middle of the night. Like, they're up all night with people calling to get, like, two or three of these turnips. And this kid is just like, what is going on?
0: I also am wondering that.
1: Yeah. I don't want to spoil it. Okay. All right. But it was so much fun. The kid figures out what the turnips are about, and he kind of, like, learns that, like, you have to put in the hard work to reap the benefits of, of just life and uh, enjoying things. like oh, okay. um, So much so that he ends up taking his best friend there the following summer, but his best friend does not know what he's getting into.
0: <laughs> okay. <That's laughs> um, it was
1: just so much fun. There's illustrations throughout it. He meets like this group of kids on the farm who were also all there and very confused about the turnips. But okay. You know, you just do what you got to do. You harvest the turnips, you do deliveries, and you watch cows get stuck on roofs.
0: <laughs> this sounds delightful. It I was do, so fun. <laughs> I do like a funny book. I I do like a funny book. We've talked about that before. Like some kid lit just needs to be funny and fun.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it did have like a little bit more serious turn at the end, but it was, it was worth it because yeah. you had to see this kid learn why these turnips are important and that like the hard work that you put in does pay off. um, Yeah. It's there for a reason. Mm. Um, Oh, (sighs) so good. It was so good.
0: Okay. My last book is Signal Fires by Danny Shapiro. This comes out on October 18th. I, Loved this book so much. I think it would be very good for book clubs, really good. I bet, if I'm not mistaken, probably some celebrity is going to pick this as their book club book. But Danny Shapiro, a few years ago, wrote the book Inheritance. She has written lots of books. Inheritance is not her only book. But it is certainly one that captured the zeitgeist, I feel like, for a while, where it was a memoir about um, her taking one of those at-home DNA tests and realizing that she had a family she really didn't know about. And so that is a great book. If you've not read that, that'd be a good book to go back. And I think it was a good audiobook as well. I read the physical copy, but I think it was a good audiobook. This is a work of fiction. So Signal Fires is a new novel by her. She hasn't written fiction in about 15 years. So this is kind of exciting. And you can definitely see the ways in which inheritance and probably her research for that book certainly affected or maybe even inspired this book. So Signal Fires is really a book about two families ish. The book opens in 1985 and you witness just immediately, no spoilers, there's a car accident and the three teenagers involved, one of them dies. And now you, the reader, are witnessing. It's it's pretty horrific and violent kind of inciting incident at the very start of the novel. And then the book goes a little bit back and forth between nineteen eighty five and then various other years until about twenty twenty, and so p- to present day, and you get these two families that live in the same neighborhood and how their lives kind of intersect. The book, other than that big kind of climactic moment, with how, not even climactic moment, that big kind of inciting incident that kind of opens the book. There are other kind of suspenseful moments throughout, but the book is really about these two families and why their lives interact. And to me, it's also about the effects of trauma and generational trauma um, or inherited trauma and what happens when you don't kind of take care of that. In that way, it also reminds me of the themes of the book, The Many Daughters of A-Fang Moy. They're very similar to me in, in kind of tone and how they kind of go back and forth between generations. And so you really become attached to these two families and to the roles they play and even to some extent to the neighborhood in which they live. The Little Fires Everywhere took place in kind of this very distinct neighborhood and setting and that's how this neighborhood feels to me like you can you know what it was like if you grew up I I spent some of my childhood in like a neighborhood, like suburbs. And you kind of know what that feels like and like having a cul-de-sac and everybody knows everybody. And, and then what happens when your family grows out of that and when your children grow up and move away and um, kind of what's left. I, also liked that this book dealt with different characters at lots of different ages. So there's not just one protagonist you're dealing with. You're dealing with a lot of different people and you see them as children or young adults or early in their adolescence. And you also see them as full-fledged adults nearing retirement. And so I really liked, I like getting to see kind of the whole of a person and how one moment or a few moments kind of impact a life. I loved this book. I could not put it down. I finished it, not necessarily tearful, but definitely like, wow, I, I just love books. <laughs> Do you ever have a book like that yeah. where you're like, wow, we're so lucky?
1: <laughs> yeah, a <rubber> story. <laughs> we're,
0: we're so lucky to live with these with these artists who can put to words what some of us are feeling or what we're fascinated by. I love this book a lot. I, I think people will be talking about this one. It is Signal Fires by Danny Shapiro, and it comes out on October
1: 18th. Okay. Also, I feel like a lot of your books were set in the 80s.
0: (laughs) Yes. I think that's happening right now. I do. I feel like it's almost being – well, I feel like it is being considered historical fiction. I say almost because I'm like, oh, I was born in 86. But no, no. It's historical fiction now. It's fine.
1: Yeah. I think the 90s are historical fiction now.
0: They totally are. And, you know, that's okay. That's
1: okay. It's fine. So my next book is The Lavender House by Lev A.C. Rosen. This is out October 18th, and I – loved this book so much. One, because I love a great mystery. Two, I love a great found family. That Mm. is a trope that will never get old for me. And this book did it so well. This is set in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. um, And it's about this police officer who gets fired and blacklisted after his colleagues raid this gay club one night and he is caught in the bathroom. Oh, and he's kind of, you see him, I think like the the day or two after this happens and he's just kind of like, this is it for me. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, that was my whole life. That was mm-hmm. my job. And now what do I do? Everybody knows. But then this woman approaches him and she offers him a job at the home where she lives, the lavender house, mm-hmm. um, because Recently, her wife has passed away and she is unsure as to if this was an accidental death or a murder.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And she heard about his recent firing, the whole Mm -hmm. incident behind it. And she was like, you're perfect for this because Mm -hmm. everyone who lives at the Lavender House is a part of the LGBTQ plus community. Okay. And we like to keep private. We like to Mm -hmm. keep it, you know, quiet in the house and we know that you'll keep our secret. So Mm -hmm. she hires him to work on this murder mystery and he starts investigating. You meet all of these people who live in the house and you just start caring about each one of them. And so Mm -hmm. when it gets to the point where he does figure out like, this is, this is unfortunately a murder (laughs) and one of the people in this house is the person who did this. You're just kind of like, no. (laughs) Yeah which I love because truly it it could have been anyone and you didn't want it to be anyone. (laughs) Right. Right. Okay. Um, so it just had this awesome mystery at the heart of it. The lavender house was known for the woman who passed away made soap. Um, and she Mm -hmm. like owned the soap company and she, she died while creating this new scent of soap. Mm -hmm. And so he like, deals with that. Um it was just it was so much fun, but you got so attached to the characters. The author left it on a note where like it could possibly be a series. I think mm-hmm. if it were a series, I would for sure read the next one. If it okay. weren't, I would miss it, but he did an amazing job. Okay. Yeah. It was just Is so that, well done.
0: That sounds really good. I think I had seen this in the catalog and it did look like right up your alley.
1: Yeah, I had constantly been telling Keela and Kendall all about it as I was reading it, <laughs> keeping yeah. them avidly updated on it.
0: It almost sounds um, House in the Cerulean Sea kind of with like the cast of characters, but with a, mis- a murder mystery at the heart.
1: Yes, I think so. I just, I there loved all these characters so much.
0: Okay, Yeah, it was great. Okay. That's a lot of good October books, everybody. So one last reminder, if you purchase or pre-order any of the books we talked about today, you can do so from the bookshelf and you can enter new release please at checkout to get 10% off your order. Just go to bookshelfthomasville.com, click or tap podcast, then shop from the front porch to see today's titles. Don't forget you can also pre-order listening copies. So if you prefer listening to audiobooks, you can go to Libro FM and pre-order the audiobooks there. This week, I'm reading People Person by Candace Cardi-Williams. Olivia, what are you reading?
1: I'm reading The Golden Enclaves by Naomi Novik. From the Front
0: Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at BookshelfTville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at FromTheFrontPorchPodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Our executive producers of today's episode are Donna Hetchler, Cammie Tidwell, Chantal Carl, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins,
1: Lori Johnson, Kate Johnston-Tucker,
0: Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see Write a Review, and tell us what you think. Or if you're so inclined, you can support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support, Front Porch Friends, Book Club Companions, and Bookshelf Benefactors. Each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.